Inner Voice, a heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Break free from the forces holding you back. Get the life you deserve. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, decrease depression, and start living your full potential. Thousands have used Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory, an evidence-based behavioral health breakthrough with incredible life-changing results. Getting rid of past trauma, having fulfilling relationships, increasing earnings, and living their best life. Now, the Fujian app is available to everyone. The app is Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory theory in the palm of your hand. Download the Fujian app today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice Podcast, a heartfelt chat with my guests and you beautiful listeners and viewers. I'm Dr. Fujian Zain. I'm a psychotherapist and author and the originator of the awareness integration theory. So great to be with all of you. For all of you wonderful, wonderful listeners who um, have asked about the books on awareness integration, just wanting to share with you uh, Life Reset, which is um, a book that is about you. It is um, It has exercises that you can go through every angle of your life, really ponder on them, um, ex- distinguish between your thoughts, your beliefs, your emotions, things that you could do and, you know, set up goals and look at the past and clean up your past in a beautiful and smooth way and um that's available for you and then for your therapists counselors clinicians life coaches who are interested in actually um loving this approach and looking at it and uh, applying it to your clients and then you can get the awareness integration therapy which is uh teaching you how to go through the six phases And for all of the moms, dads, grandparents, teachers who work with young children and all the way up, um, please get the intentional parenting, which uh, goes over looking at all cycles from infancy all the way to young adult and how to approach parenting styles from uh, an awareness integration methodology. I'm positive that you will enjoy it. If you are a psychotherapist or a coach that likes to learn this methodology, we have constantly certified um, um, courses for, for you. So please contact me. I'd love to for you to join our family and um, you will be not only put on the awarenessintegration.com, but also on Fujian app as one of the clinicians or life coaches who um, are expert in this um, in this methodology, which is an evidence-based, and we've worked so hard to uh, bring it to the community. So we'd love to have you join our community. Um, in this episode, I'm excited that I get to chat with Dr. Gary Lawrence. Dr. G and his wife, Sylvia, have spent their lives successfully leading others to identity, isolate, to identify, isolate, and eliminate the root cause of the emotional turmoil in their lives. Over the course of 23 years serving as the founder and the director of the New Life uh, Dynamics Christian Counseling Center for 20 years as he host of his own radio show, Life Mastery Counseling with Dr. G has personally met with and coached more than 6,000 clients. He has overseen the counseling of another 10,000 clients and has inspired thousands more on radio, television, and stage. Dr. G is an author of Rejection Junkies, 
in this guide to recognizing the damaging effects of rejection and the way in which this trauma manifests constantly throughout all phases of life. Dr. G helps readers to recognize the people, places, things, and circumstances that hold you hostage and keep us stuck and make us bitter. And a true freedom coach, he offers powerful and practical steps to unplug from these emotional energy thieves. Uh, he's amazing. I really enjoyed our conversation. And uh, he truly, truly takes you through the path from pain to freedom. And it was it has been a joy to talk to him and learn from him. And I'm positive that you will also enjoy um, this podcast and this episode. Subscribe to this podcast, my YouTube channel, and connect with me through my website, fujanzain.com. Or if you wanted to know anything more about awareness integration, go to awarenessintegration.com. Join our app at fujan.com. Um, connect with me in any of the social media. Share your thoughts with me. I'd love to hear from you. So without further ado, here's Dr. Gary Lawrence. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, and decrease depression. Dr. Fujian Zane's awareness integration theory has helped thousands like you get incredible life-changing results. The Fujian app gives you her evidence-based treatment in the palm of your hand. Download today. Dr. Gary Lawrence, it's such a pleasure to have you with us today. Well, it's my honor to be here with you, Doc, and I'm looking forward to a great conversation. Well, you've had an extended um, years and years of experience in counseling, and you uh, recently have um, written a book by the name of Rejection Junkie, and uh, let me show it to people so they know what I'm talking about. Rejection Junkies, Overcoming the Addiction Everyone Suffers. Um, but you, it was interesting that as I look at um, your book, uh, there's two words that are consistently there. One is the addiction, which is true. It's, you know, addiction does not always have to be toward um, a, a substance, uh, a behavior. It can also be, uh, you know, around emotions. We have emotions that we get truly yeah. down in. So you have uh, you have shared in your book that what you mean by a junkie is someone with a compulsive habit or excessive dependency on something, um, which uh, you know we we call a junkie with someone who is uh, addicted and they're in the extreme essence of their addiction, as if there's no they experience no hope around it, and then you also are bringing. Um, hope into the concept of how we can really shake this off and not be a junkie around our emotions and our behaviors. Um, well, so can you share what, you know, how, how come you use this sentence? How come you've chosen this route to explain what you're explaining? Well, that's a great question. Actually, I wrote the uh, first edition of my book, Rejection Junkies, back in 1996. And uh, I had my counseling practice here in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, I realized that uh, a lot of our focus was on people who were addicted to substances, alcohol, drugs, sex, and so on. But then I began to realize and unravel the fact that really underneath, uh, inadvertently, they are uh, hooked on and addicted to rejection patterns. Uh, the whole premise of my book is written on the fact that by the time we're eight years old, 80% of our emotional patterns are formed. 
And by age 18, 100% of our self-image is formed. And so as the average person goes through the 20s and the 30s and the 40s, well, they may be getting older. They, their hair may be turning gray. They may develop a few wrinkles. They may have a better education. Uh, they may be financially more financially secure. But the fact is, they're still operating on a large percentage of the negative and positive emotional patterns that were formed in the first eight years of their life. Now, uh, to give you an example, I counseled a guy. Uh, he was an 80-year-old retired medical practitioner. And he and his wife had been married 55 years at that time. And when I said by age eight, 80% of our emotional patterns are formed, he literally interrupted me very abruptly. And he says, well, Dr. G, what you're telling me is I'm an 80-year-old, eight-year-old. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you're right. Well, his wife leaned over and patted him on the leg and said, see, sweetheart, I told you, you act like a little boy. <laughs> so uh, it's not just dementia that makes us act like little children as we get older, okay? Uh, a good example of that, you know, there's overt and covert rejection. Covert rejection is the most difficult of the two to deal with because it's not noticeable. It's not so obvious. Uh, overt rejection is uh, it's very obvious with uh, words, name calling, screaming, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and so on. But covert rejection is not so obvious. For an example, uh, my wife, Sylvia, we've been married 56 years, and she was raised in a good Christian home. But in that good Christian home, there was absolutely zero physical affection. There was zero verbal affection. And so we met in college, and when we got married, of course, even in the first few months that we were dating before we got married, I would tell her how beautiful she is and how sweet she is. And uh, so several months after we got married, her uh, typical answer was, well, the only reason you say things like that is because that's what husbands are supposed to say. And so, of course, that sent to me the unspoken covert message, I don't believe you. You're not being honest with me. Well, see, you can't receive what you've never received, and you can't give what you have never uh, been given. It's an impossibility. And I think one of the best examples of covert rejection is, uh, let's say, a man who was the only child, and uh, his mother was the dominant personality between her parents. She was overprotective. Uh, she did all the laundry, always. She cooked everything for the young man. Uh, she literally was a mother into his early 20s, and he finally got married. Well, guess what kind of a personality he's going to marry? He's going to marry a mother. He's going to marry someone that's going to meet his every need. And and, and in, in a covert way, uh, that marriage relationship is going to really be an unfortunate relationship. Now, I, I say it like this, Dr. Vajan. I say it like this. Opposite tract, then they attack, and then they retract. Does that make sense? Very much. Absolutely. I think there's a part of us that um, gets attracted to many parts of other people that we don't have, but we really want to have. And, right. you know, and there's some that are similar to us. And then, as you said, we come in and then the other sides show up The things that, you know, the honeymoon stages goes away. And <laughs> right. we, we really look at the areas that were different. And, you know, we struggle with that difference, constantly wanting somebody to be just like us. Right. And, 
as you said in your book, you know, your level of maturity kind of looks at what stage you are and can you can you take other people as who they are and how your level of maturity allows for you to collaborate and learn and grow from being with each other and growing with each other. Right. So you've, uh, you know, there are many chapters that you actually systematize the emotional maturity in your book and sharing what it is that people can be aware of their maturity status, such as you said, somebody who's 80 year old and they're still hanging out in their eight year old maturity, like everything else has grown up. I remember I was talking to someone and they've grown up, their uh, socioeconomic status had grown up, upgraded and everything, but their verbal, uh, their the way they spoke with themselves, the way that their emotional maturity was, was still very young. And I remember in a session, I used to say, do you see how you, you know, systematically every year upgrade your finances, you upgrade your car, you upgrade your technology, you know, devices, you upgrade right. your clothing, it's time to also upgrade your emotional maturity because right. that one well, you're that, not. Uh, well, that, and that's kind of like asking a one-legged runner uh, to compete in the race. It's not going to happen. Uh, I can't tell you how many times in the years that I was in my marriage and family counseling uh, clinic, I would ask this question. When did you notice the relationship was deteriorating? And often they would say, oh, doc, I knew it was never going to work out before we even got married. <laughs> but they went ahead and got married because they unconsciously were hooked on the rejection patterns the other person was feeding them. And, you know, uh, the re everybody, I don't care who they are, Dr. Fajan, uh, I believe everybody has some kind of addiction to some level of rejection patterns, whether they are addicted to receiving it or they're addicted to creating it in their relationship with others. So can and, you give examples of rejection patterns? So people who are listening and viewing us get what sure. you mean by rejection patterns. Absolutely. Well, I, uh, I'm going to take for granted that you are in the field of psychiatry and psychology for the purpose of serving other people. But I'm also going to take it for granted that you yourself in your younger years had a lot of negative and positive rejectatory uh, situations. Uh, so I'm going. Uh, so so we use our own story. It's our own story that's the basis of why we are where we are today to help others. And uh, so I met my wife in college, and I'll never forget. I saw her on campus in my second year returning, and I said to my roommate, Bob, you see that beautiful brunette over there? He said, Yeah. What about her? And I said, Well, I'm going to end up asking her for a date. I said, as a matter of fact, I'll probably end up marrying her. And, of course, he just poo-pooed it. And uh, what's interesting is four months later, we got married. Now, four months of that was 56 years ago, okay? And uh, what I didn't realize is our rejection patterns were set up in a, new, uh, in a unique way that we could feed each other, okay? She needed someone to dominate her. Her mother was a very dominant, controlling person. Her mother expected perfection. Her mother expected everything to be in order 100% or you were in trouble. Well, guess what? I met her mother's personality. Sylvia needs someone to control her, and I need someone to control. Now, I was raised in an environment where I was the fourth of four children, and there was a lot of physical violence. Uh, my father 
always believed that I was not his child. And so at the age of 16, I literally physically fought back. And that's when I left home, just 16 years of age. And uh, so uh, I became a survivor. Sylvia became an escaper. And so we were like two misshapen pieces of puzzle fitting together. And so here's that story. We were attracted to each other unconsciously because we were playing that game. I'll reject you before you reject me. But once we rejected each other, then the storm would calm down for a while until we start giving each other emotional doses on in the emotional bloodstreams. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. And so you call it a rejection pattern. Are you saying right. are you using rejection because of because it shows up out of a wound? or it shows up out of uh, a, a pattern that we've already experienced? Because when oh, you say rejection, to me, in my mind, is rejection is um, like uh, moving away. Like, no, um, I don't want this, or I don't want you, or don't do this. So rejection usually shows up as that in my mind. But with the example you were sharing, um, I get it that there's, there's like, you were feeling rejected by your father and she might have feel, felt rejected by the mother and you kind of caught together in a way of seeing the other person. So you, you're familiar with it there, you know, it's when you say in junkie, like you're familiar with it. And because you've lived in it, that you you have the desire for it to build your identity and kind of exist. Is that how you're sharing the, the word you're using word rejection? Absolutely. Yeah. It's an unconscious hunger. It's an un, uh, 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 unknowing uh, um, um, experience that your soul says, I must create that rejection. Uh, but it goes deeper than that. There's so many different levels. Uh, in my book, Rejection Junkies, I give over 260 examples of overt and covert rejection. Now, I'm going to be very open here with your audience. Uh, Sylvia and I, we had been married three months. Now, we met in a Christian school. And uh, our marriage was in trouble. And I couldn't understand if being a Christian was so wonderful, why is I still so miserable? Okay. And everything is fed on the spiritual level. The mental and emotional and the psychology of the human being was totally ignored. Everything was uh, dubbed out to you on the spiritual level. Does that make sense? And so anyway, uh, we'd been married three, three months. And I was on a road trip on a Sunday. And I came back Sunday night. I wasn't supposed to be home till Monday. And, of course, I was just a young fellow, 22 years old, and I wanted to get home to my new bride. And so I got home about midnight and fixed myself something to eat and took a shower and uh, snug, got in bed and snuggled with my wife. And, I mean, out of the clear blue, she literally got out of bed so fast, she slammed herself against the wall and fell down and pulled her knees up around her chest and say, don't tell my daddy what you're doing. He told me never let anybody else touch me the way he did. So that, that was my introduction to her sexual abuse. Okay. Now uh, I didn't understand, but she was uh, suffering from P uh, PT PTSD, I believe. Okay. Uh, and so for four hours, she literally was out of her mind. And that was my introduction to her sexual abuse. Well, guess what our sexual relationship was like for the next 10, 12, 10 to 12 years. Uh, it, it was very frustrating. And uh, she felt guilty. I felt frustrated. So here she would, she would withdraw. And I would say, why don't you talk to me? 
well, you're always angry. I know I'm angry. Here's why I'm angry. And so we were playing that game. I'll reject you before you reject me. Now, I was a very successful pastor and speaker in churches, but my marriage was falling apart. It was unraveling. And I decided I'm going to find out what's going on here. Uh, you go to the average Christian counselor, and all they do is give you Band-Aid therapy. You know, they say, pray about it. Get right with God. Get closer to God. It's all uh, doted out underneath a religious umbrella. And then, as you know, secular psychiatry, there's a large percentage that all they do is depend on drugs, temporary relief of symptoms. Uh, if you've got an anger problem, let's give you a pill. We're calming you down. Now, uh, I believe there are mental uh, and emotional uh, issues caused as a result of uh, chemical imbalances. But I say this, if you show me a blood test that can give evidence of a chemical imbalance, then I will accept that, okay? Uh, but I had to find an answer because I didn't get married to get divorced. And so that was the premise of the birthing of my book, Rejection Junkies. And I began to understand, no matter how old you are, no matter how well-educated you are, no matter how well if you are financially, you will have negative rejectatory patterns that will carry with you the rest of your life until you begin to understand the birth of them and the origin of them and the impact they're making on your life. Absolutely. You also talk about um, six levels of suicide, mental, yes. emotional, social, moral, spiritual, and physical. Right. And really, really rang true for me because obviously I worked with suicide patients for many, 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 many years. And, uh -huh. you know, um, and you're very right. And I watch people who are depressed and how first, um, you know, they do. They commit suicide mentally, the mental sure. health emotional the hope goes away they played sure. themselves and they you know they kind of um even are hopeless about above and beyond there's nothing else you know sometimes when we're hopeless about here and now and what's going on we just kind of like let go and let loose kind of uh go beyond ourselves and for them they can't even go they, they're hopeless even about beyond and then therefore they you know uh, cho choose not to be here via suicide, which is taking their physical body out. Can you share uh, a little bit about that angle and why you, you felt that you needed to bring this into the, this book? Well, uh, that's a, that's a great question. I had a client many years ago that uh, scheduled a preliminary an intake session with me on a Monday morning and he had committed suicide the Sunday evening before. And uh, his mother called me on Monday morning and threatened to file a lawsuit against me because I didn't make her son a priority to get him in sooner. Well, I couldn't. He called on Sunday afternoon. I booked him for the next day. And, uh, of course, I refused to respond to it emotionally because she had to have someone to blame. And so I thought, you know, I need to do some research on suicide. Uh, you know, suicide's a reality. As a matter of fact, right now, the suicide right in the United States, uh, 142 people uh, every, I think it's every hour, commit suicide in this country. 142 people. And that's because they've lost their uh, purpose in life or they've never found their purpose in life or they don't understand their value in life. They don't have a healthy level of self-love, Christian or non-Christian. It doesn't matter. Across the level, uh, suicide is a real problem. 
And so that's why I put that chapter in there as a preliminary introduction, because uh, I've counseled dozens of people out of the realm of suicide emotionally. And it's an emotional setup because before it becomes a, a physical finality. Definitely. Yes, absolutely. So did I answer your question there? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You also talk about bitterness and, um, and in inward resentment, a wounded spirit, fear, guilt, anxiety, avoidance, um, and you know, sense of abandonment and sense of betrayal. And it's these uh, woundings and these bitterness right. keeps us ill. You know, it those those brew and then uh, you know goes into the emotional hopelessness and not wanting, or we brew it and we lash out consistently. Um, but this bitterness is also coming from the, the rejection wounds, as you said. Oh, absolutely. Bitterness is not a happy word, okay? You don't want to tell, tell someone, oh, you're just bitter. Uh, bitterness is not a friendly word. Uh, bitterness is not a label that someone wants to put on their shirt and say, see, I'm bitter. But when I found this verse of Scripture, I thought, aha, there's the issue. Uh, the Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, that we should look diligently or examine very closely, lest any man misses out on the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And so uh, in a lot of my seminars, uh, I would have people say, uh, I would have them raise their hand. I'd say, how many of you can think of someone that you have an inward resentment towards? And they would raise their hand. Uh, how many of you can think of someone that when they enter the room, they they create a sense of anxiety? Everybody raised their hand. And I would go on and on. How many of you have a sense of abandonment? How many of you have a, a sense of uh, uh, a sense of anger at someone? And so uh, I would say, well, I'll tell you what. You may be one of the sweetest, most kind, gentle, loving audiences I've ever spoken to. But you're a very sweet, loving, gentle kind, bitter audience. A bitterness disguises itself. And it is the rope that keeps people connected, even though they hate each other. Uh, so anyway, uh, a perfect example of this again, I'll use myself. Uh, Sylvia and I, we were driving home from El Paso, Texas, back to Albuquerque. And uh, I had come to the place that she was so wounded spiritually and mentally and emotionally that I just decided, you know what, I'd be better off if I set her free and just divorced her. So very quietly, no anger, no arguing, I said, Sylvia, I've decided that we're going to go ahead and get divorced. And she said, what? And I said, we're going to go ahead and get divorced. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. It's just that I cannot live with someone who's emotionally crippled the rest of my life. And she said, well, I'm not like you. I said, what do you mean? Well, you're always angry. You're always mad. And I said, yeah, you're right, Sylvia. But you know what? You're always sad. You're always withdrawn. You're nonverbal. You're non-affectionate. And she said, well, what's wrong with that? Well, see, there's that covert rejection. She was wearing it so comfortably like it was a garment that fit her so, so well. And I said, Sylvia, you may not be outwardly angry like me, but you are inwardly bitter. And I quote that verse of Scripture. And she said, well, that's, I'm not bitter. I said, no, you don't call it bitterness, but here's what it is. You have a wounded spirit. When your father sexually abused you, he wounded your spirit. When your mother would have you in church every Sunday 
and every Wednesday night, but she would call you nasty names and she would uh, yell at you and scream at you. She wounded your spirit. And I'll Sylvia, I cannot live with that wounded spirit anymore. And so when I began to realize the truth that I put in my book, Rejection Junkies, and by the way, this applies to every person. Uh, I really believe this with all my heart. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian, a non-Christian, a Buddhist, an atheist, uh, a Hindu, uh, some uh, an Islamic person. Uh, we're human beings. We reject. We create negative uh, and and positive emotional patterns. So once she began to understand that she had a wounded spirit, and she began to see that as the root of bitterness that had troubled her, and was defiling our marriage relationship. Then guess what? I had to look in the mirror and say, okay, Gary, where's your root of bitterness uh, plugged into? Of course, it was my father. I hated him. Why did I hate him? Because he abused me physically. Okay? And so I carried that anger into our marriage. She carried her fear into our marriage. And made the two never get along. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Yes. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you also talk in your book and obviously have worked it through in your marriage because you're still together about freedom. So we talk about the rejection. We talk about the addiction. We talk about the, uh, you know, the mental and social suicide and all of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about the bitterness that is holding the wounding for, you know, for it to call and constantly pull through. And then you, you, your book also completes with freedom of all of this. Mm -hmm. You go through stages of what to do. Um, mm -hmm. Because obviously review your, your life history to look at where is it coming from? What is it that is bringing these wounds inside and is continuing and right. from constantly from those wounds? And then you put, put your potatoes in the back of the wagon. I love this sentence. So share with us what that means. Well, <laughs> uh, you know the story. Of my, I appreciate you reading my book. That's awesome. Uh, this poor farmer had no wagon, and he had 100 pounds of potatoes he needed to take to the market. So he put that pound, uh, 100 uh, pounds of potatoes over his shoulders and went out in the road and started to walk towards the village. And another villager came by in a wagon and said, would you like to have a ride? And the poor farmer said, I sure would. So he jumped up into the wagon and he lifted that hundred pounds of potatoes up over his shoulders. And the, the driver of the wagon said, you can put those potatoes in the back of the wagon. And he said, oh, no, no, thank you very much. But I couldn't expect you to carry my potatoes, too. <laughs> well, I use that as, a, as an analogy to help people learn how to get their bitterness in the back of the wagon. Set down your bitterness. And, uh, and I think it's chapter 17. That chapter is called The Emotional Surgery. Now, that is the most painful, mentally and emotionally trying experience a person can go through is to get rid of their bitterness. And I'll be very open with your audience, Doc. Uh, I had, I, I formulated this technique where I put my clients through the emotional surgery so they can get free from the past, set that 100-pound uh, bag of potatoes from the past down. So many people unconsciously, they continue to carry the past with them throughout every relationship in their life. And so uh, I hated my father-in-law. I had a tremendous amount of bitterness. 
Well, that was a rope that was strangling me to death emotionally. I had nothing to do with my spiritual relationship with the Lord. It had everything to do with my emotional patterns that uh, I had carried into my marriage. It was easy for me to hate. Guess where I learned how to do that? In the first eight years of my life. Okay. And so I thought, okay, I've got to get free of this bitterness. And so one day I sat down with my wife beside me and I called her father. And we're just going to call him Henry. And I said, Henry, this is Gary. He said, yeah, of course, he was nonverbal. And I said, well, the reason I'm calling you is uh, the Lord has showed me I've been having some emotional problems. And part of my problem is I need to ask you to forgive me for something. Dead silence. He said, well, yeah, what's that? And I said, well, could you please forgive me for my bitterness? Now, I got to tell you, every ounce of my being wanted to scream at him, I hate you for sexually abusing my wife. But you see, I learned if I continue to focus on his behavior, I would continue to be his prisoner. Okay? So I had to focus on that root of bitterness that had troubled me all these years and had defiled my marriage relationship. Well, he didn't respond. He didn't know what to say. That was a shock to him. And I said, well, once again, uh, could you please forgive me for my bitterness towards you? And his answer was real simple. He said, well, yeah, I guess so. And I said, well, thank you very much. You take care now. I hung up. And I cannot tell you the freedom I felt when I finally sat down that 100-pound bag of potatoes. Well, the next week, I called him back. Now, you see, the scripture says that sweet water and bitter water cannot flow through the same fountain. And so I called him back and I said, hey, uh, I just wanted to let you know that I'm so glad you're my father-in-law. And I just want you to know I love you. You see, I was free to love on a genuine level because I was no longer a prisoner of hate. And it's a powerful experience. And I tell my clients, if you make it through the emotional surgery, your life is going to be transformed. And oh my goodness, my wife did her action therapy with her father and mother and it was transforming. Now, we've been together 56 years, and I've got to tell you something. I've got not only the most sweet, kind, gentle, loving human being a man could have for a wife, but she knows how to express So anyway, uh, our, our lives have been changed for many years. And so as a pastor, I never enjoyed pastoring, so I decided to retire. And I decided to start a new life dynamics counseling center uh, back in uh, 1980 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And as a result of that, we've literally been able to help thousands and thousands of people gain their mental, emotional, and spiritual freedom. Beautiful. Rejection junkies and overcoming the addiction everyone suffers by Dr. Gary Lawrence. Uh, Dr. Lawrence, is there anything we haven't shared that you really want people to know? Well, I want them to know that that book is written about them. I'll guarantee you, as you did, and I'm going to take that uh, in a presumptuous way, I'll guarantee you everyone who reads my book, Rejects and Junkies, will find themselves somewhere in the pages. Okay? Something will apply to them on a personal level that they can embrace. Uh, I, I want to invite your audience, if they would like to make contact with me, to go to my website, it's rejectionjunkies.com. 
That's uh, Rejection Junkies, J-U-N-K-I-E-S.com. And on my homepage, it says take a quiz. Uh, there's about uh, 80 questions that you can answer to pretty well determine whether or not you are a rejection junkie. And uh, everyone who does that, then I will get back in touch with them and give them a 30-minute uh, cost-free consultation. Uh, no upselling, just getting acquainted with them on a personal level. But uh, Dr. Fujian, I thank you so much for your time. It's a joy to get acquainted with you. Same. I have truly a pleasure talking to you, learning from you, reading your book, and uh, truly it uh, it hits the heart very sweetly. And although it talks in so much of pain, and yet it lands sweetly on the heart. So thank you for sharing um, how to go from pain to love. And I think that's very, very important for all of us to, to have that experience. Wow. I love the frames that you drew around that with those words. You are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. And for all of you who are out there, create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. Until next week, bye-bye. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, and decrease depression. Dr. Fujian Zane's awareness integration theory has helped thousands like you get incredible life-changing results. The Fujian app gives you her evidence-based treatment in the palm of your hand. Download today.